going on people welcome to another episode of not rocket science i am your host sean and this is the podcast about the intersectional relationship between business technology and the culture how you guys doing happy i guess monday night tuesday morning wednesday whatever day it might be for you it is sunday here right now in a sunny sunny brooklyn new york we're getting that freaky weather right now. I don't know what's going on. It's 65 degrees, no clouds in the sky on January 12th. What's happening? What is going on in this wacky world that we live in? Look, I love it. I will take this any day in January, February, or March, or December for that matter. But a little weird. A little weird when it's this sunny and nice out. With no leaves on the trees. You know, you still got those uh, Christmas ornaments still up for the people that are lazy and don't feel like taking them down till March. You know who you are. But yeah, this weekend, it has been pretty damn cozy out, I must say. And uh, I'm digging it. I am digging it. Uh, 2020... I've been digging so far on a personal level when it comes to world news and stuff. Uh, not so great. Not a great 12 days so far overall. Um, but but this is not a world news podcast. I will refrain from that and get into the topic at hand today. So I wasn't really sure earlier in the week what to do with this episode. Um, but then I read an interesting article from a company I've covered, well, about, I should say, a company that I've covered plenty of times on this show in the past, and that is Casper Mattress. Yeah, yeah, Casper Mattress. They are going public, or they're filing to go public, I should say. Um, I thought this was an interesting article for a couple of reasons. The one I'm referring to is a Business Insider article titled, let me bring it up. These are the unusual colorful slides that Mattress Star Casper is using to convince IPO investors that it can capitalize on the $432 billion quote-unquote sleep economy. So let's break that one down. But before we do that, a little bit of background. What is Casper? I think they're pretty damn popular at this point overall across the country, maybe even across the world, at least the Western Hemisphere. I don't know about Asia and places like that yet. But Casper Mattress was kind of the first um, of this mattress, you know, direct-to-consumer mattress craze where they just have a website they invest in their website as if it's a digital product and they basically treat their entire business model 
operations and manufacturing aside, of course, like a digital startup, except they're shipping you physical products. But because they didn't try to get into retail stores, they would send it to you in this nice box and they would have lots of options in terms of um, returns and things like that. Very flexible with the customer service, really making it easy for people to just buy something via click online, get it, try it out, and either keep it or return it. Um, there's a ton of other players in this game now. There's Lisa, there's Tough and Needle, there's uh, Purple Mattress, who have grown a lot because they invested a lot in their digital advertising. Um, but it's a very you know saturated, red ocean type of industry these days. And from the looks of things, Casper understands that. And they are trying to IPO to get more capital to invest in R&D for products outside of their core product, which is mattresses, and into other things like, we'll get into it in a second, but like sleep technology, quote-unquote. So um, other aspects that factor into how you sleep at night besides your mattress. So that's a little bit of background. Um, Basically, they created this investor deck that was, eh, a little non-traditional, a little bit, they would say aspirational. I would say kind of goofy and ornamental as far as the presentation. But we'll get into it. I don't want to be too cynical right off the bat. Um, but why is Casper going public? So like any company, Casper is running out of money. And they need capital to do the things that they want to do to position their business in a place um, that puts them in a favorable position, I should say, for a future growth. Because when you look at it, they're selling fluffy rectangles. That's what they've been doing. That's been their core business. When you are in the business of selling fluffy rectangles, there is a cap or a ceiling realistically on how much you can grow you can have the best fluffy rectangle in the game but only so many people need fluffy rectangles and there's a million other companies selling other fluffy rectangles so you know there's no real uh, room to kind of position yourself as unique or different or have a portfolio of products that really make you the standard for that industry um One thing that article kind of explains that Casper mentioned themselves that they're trying to do in their investor presentations that they've been giving um, when raising awareness for their IPO and raising funding and things like that is they are saying that they want to be the Nike of the sleep industry. Now, to me, if you're going to say something like that, you more than likely don't know the history of Nike and how Nike became the giant that they are. And they should probably listen to this podcast because I did an entire episode of that. Not to do a cheap plug. or No, it's to do a cheap plug. But basically, the reason why Nike is Nike, a lot of it is luck. I mean, they did the right things, they made the right moves, but a massive amount of the reasoning behind why Nike is 
the footwear slash athletic wear giant that they are today, heads and shoulders above everyone else in the industry, has to do with a few key events that, um, you know, kind of set the stage for the subsequent 30 years after these events occurred. What those events were were basically, one, they saw potential in Michael Jordan, which is kudos to them, and really dedicated themselves to signing Michael Jordan. They were a struggling brand in the early 80s when it came to the basketball industry. They needed a fresh face. They liked Michael Jordan. They wanted Michael Jordan. Now, they get credit for that. They get credit for that 100%. But a couple things. One, Michael Jordan did not want to go to Nike at all. He was dead against Nike. Uh, he wanted either he wanted Adidas, and then he wanted Converse. Adidas was very lukewarm in their interest with Michael Jordan. At the time, uh, a lot of the NBA stars in the early 80s, late 70s were centers, were big, big, tall guys. And Adidas was on this kick where they wanted to really invest in tall players, not short players. Kind of a stupid strategy. So that's one thing. Adidas was dumb. That was one reason. Two, Converse wasn't dumb, but they basically were the dominant player at that time when it came to basketball sneakers, and they offered Michael Jordan the same contract that they gave other star players. And that supposedly wasn't enough. They weren't into that because Nike was so invested in Michael Jordan. They were offering more money, the ability to have him have design input on the sneakers, the look and feel of them. So they were really willing to work with Michael Jordan. That's what secured them Michael Jordan. And they deserve all the credit for that. But if Adidas cared at all about Michael Jordan, Adidas would be the big player in this in the footwear game, or the biggest player. They are a big player. Um, a. B. Nike nor anyone else could foresee just how smart their investment in Michael Jordan was. There was no way they could know how major of a player Michael Jordan was going to be, not only in basketball, but in just culture in general for the next 20 years. He was the best player of all time. But beyond that, he kind of captured the imaginations of the casual person um, when it came to his commercials and things like that. You know, he was a cross, 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 crossover superstar on a level no one has ever seen before or since. Like, there's been other big crossover stars, Tiger Woods, before he went crazy and crashed his car and all his cheating scandals came out. Um, you, you know, in worlds of like MMA, for example, Conor McGregor, everyone knew Conor McGregor was a crossover star, but he probably exceeded even what people thought he might be. Um, but none of those guys, you know, Ronaldo's another one, but none of those guys are touching Michael Jordan. Because part of the reason why Michael Jordan was so popular is because not only was he the best player, not only was the silhouettes Nike was coming out with under the Air Jordan brand, just like golden age of sneaker design, 
um, right place, right time, you know, sneaker design in the eighties under Tinker Hatfield was just kind of this magic moment. But beyond all that, Michael Jordan's ascension to dominance kind of ran parallel with hip hop's ascension to dominance in music. And there was this crossover appeal between the two and they both mutually kind of benefited by it. You know, Air Jordan in the early nineties was the cool brand. Like it was the cool brand, hands down. I mean Starter was cool too. There were some other ones, but like they were the gold standard. And all this was kind of happening at the same time and it's laid the groundwork for the next, you know, 30, 40 years. So a lot of it was timing and it was Nike kind of taking off and hip-hop taking off at the same time and capitalizing on that. But, you know, there were other factors outside of just having a brand vision that led to Nike being the dominant player. Tangent over, but the reason why I went into all that was just to kind of show how, you know, when you have a mattress company selling fluffy rectangles, saying we want to be the Nike of the sleep industry, you know, Nike couldn't foresee being the Nike of the sneaker industry. When a company like Nike does what they did for the past, you know, 35 years or whatever, it's kind of like when a celebrity massive global superstar just kind of falls into being a celebrity and then kind of like making the right moves being strategic about their career but also having things happen organically that kind of put them on a rocket ship going up you know what i mean so that's why i kind of find these aspirations from these product companies silly because a casper mattress isn't going to sign a Michael Jordan, and have all that organic cultural momentum happening. Like, the odds of that occurring for Casper are astronomically small. So then the question is, well, maybe just on a smaller level, um, they're projecting, though, the sleep industry to be four hundred thirty-five worth $435 billion, and that's what they're trying to, like, dominate. I don't know how they got those estimations, um, the slides they provided in the Business Insider article are very uh, light at best when it came to uh, kind of having transparency around those numbers. But the thing is, is you have to have domain expertise in what you're doing a little bit, particularly when you're still a startup. And they don't have medical equipment expertise. So this like idea that they're just going to capture this massive industry um, similar to what Nike eventually did after grinding for 30 years, to me is a little bit silly, a little bit preposterous, particularly because they want to die. One of their biggest goals is to start um, selling medical equipment, and that is a beast in itself that any like tech sort of startup e-commerce company has no real, uh, nothing that really sets them up for success in that world. I'll just put it that way. But also this idea of becoming Nike of sleep, it's like Nike wouldn't have been Nike if some very fortunate, lucky events didn't kind of work out for them from a timing perspective. So good luck with that, Casper. But anyway, let's get back into this article. Um, so their CEO, the statement is basically, in the coming years, we expect to accelerate a new marketplace, which we call the sleep economy. So this $435 billion estimation is 
um, on what they're calling the sleep economy. We will be tireless in our pursuit for creating the world's first sleep economy that delivers value for our consumers, investors, and incredible team of dreamers and doers around the world. I like that he said dreamers. I like that. It's a cheap pun. It works. Calling people dreamers when you're a mattress company is just bravo. All right. So, oh, I'm sorry, $432 billion, not $435 billion. Um, Casper says this sleep economy will be a market worth $432 billion with the opportunity for the company to go beyond mattresses, pillows, and pajamas and into markets like pet beds, social media channels offering meditation and medical technology. So social media channels offering meditation. Ugh. Calm app already got LeBron James on board. So good luck fighting that, guys. Um, and people who have bought into their store, oh, people have bought into their store. Casper, which ships mattresses, pillows, and other sleep related products directly to consumers, has raised $355 million in private funding to date. It was last valued at $1.1 billion. Okay, okay. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. So then they have this slide that they show of their ascension. To dominance when it comes to mattresses. Their first mattress was shipped by their CEO, or I should say delivered by their CEO via bicycle in 2014. And now the latest is over 1.4 million customers since founding. Partnerships with Amazon, Target, Costco, Hudson Bay Company, Raymore Flanagan, 35.9 million in revenue in 2018. Named a number one, America's number one mattress. Blah, 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 blah. All right. Whatever. Um, okay, this is just summarizing the chart. However, notably missing. So now Business Insider goes into this part. Notably missing. A chart of Casper's profit margins. Dun, dun, dun. Its financial statements show heavy losses, which the company cites as significant risk. So okay okay right now it's making sense they need capital because they are over investing in their products and as a business making no money net as a result so it says in the chart they have a chart for 2018 and 2019 um nine months ended september 30th okay revenue net of $80,085.57,659 in refunds, returns, and discounts for the nine months ended September 30th, 2019, and 2018, respectively. So in 2019, it says $312,319. Cost of goods sold, so that's revenue. Cost of goods sold, 157000 Gross profit, 154 Four point nine thousand, but then their operating expenses are hundred and about hundred fourteen thousand. General administrative expenses are hundred six thousand. Total operating expenses are two hundred and twenty thousand. Loss from operations sixty five thousand one hundred and forty three. Um. Oh, and that's. Oh, okay, so they're leaving out the three zeros. So that's in millions, I think. Based on this, it's, it's $65 because it says right after this chart, in 2019, of September of 2019, Casper racked up an operating loss 
of $65 million, roughly the same as it lost the same period of the year before, which was $64.7 million. More than 70% of its gross profit in the first nine months of 2019 were spent on sales and marketing costs. So they are in this loop where they have to, to hit any of their numbers, they have to spend a crap load on marketing and advertising. The way all of these mattress companies basically work, they invest heavy in their marketing spend um, to basically be able to hit the numbers of mattresses sold, but... Um, on the back end, they have to overcompensate operationally when it comes to operating expenses plus marketing spend. And I guess they have a loss, um, at least on the operations side. So that is all not good. So they're in need of capital because I guess their current model is just not working out for them because they're not profitable just doing this mattress hustle at scale anymore which is why they want to kind of venture into these other industries that are all part of sleeping but when it comes to a knowledge standpoint a manufacturing standpoint a domain expertise standpoint are all very very different than just mattresses um you know when it comes to medical equipment meditation apps bedside clocks i mean they have that glow device already but sleep tracking devices sound and scent devices like you're getting into three or four different industries besides your own core industry at this point um and that's what they're trying to do right now because they realize this business model for selling mattresses i guess at least in the way they're operating no longer works for them which brings us to a higher question right it's like I get that they want an IP they want to raise money via IPO so they can pursue their capitalistic dreams and keep growing the brand which you know in the United States there's nothing wrong with that but also it's like is there anything wrong where if you're a shoemaker you just stick with making shoes and not trying to be the richest company in the world like I feel like we're missing some of that these days. You know, the shoe cobbler mentality where your job is to make shoes and not try to be the most entrepreneurial person in the world. To me, there's something nice about that. You know, because then when you're trying to just scale at all costs, which Casper seems like they're doing, you run into this problem. And look, there's a lot of dumb people with money out there I'm sure they're going to get the funding they want. But all I care about is is whether they're actually going to succeed or not. Because trying to kill it in like three or four different kinds of actual industries that they are wrapping in this blanket that they call the sleep economy. You know what I mean? They're trying to create this industry in their investor decks by proxy when in reality, when it comes to the actual operations, the actual understanding are, you know, very, 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 very different kinds of businesses. And being a master at one business model takes a long time. It took Casper, you know, five or six years, five years to figure out what they're doing. And they were a unicorn, meaning they kind of fell into it with success. 
Um, other industries that are tougher, like dr- like delivery, food industries, things like that, it takes even longer. It takes a decade to really master your understanding of the business model and how it works. So then trying to get into this medical industry and this meditation industry and building uh, alarm clocks and things like that and continuing doing their mattress. Th- like It's a lot to take on. And I know they're raising money, but like Amazon has a lot more money than than Casper will ever have, and Amazon struggles with a lot of their um, secondary and tertiary business pursuits and industries that don't revolve around you know drop shipping, their bread and butter. Um, Same goes with Google. Google has failed in many projects like social media google plus for example like in my estimation there seems to be um this idea that companies can take on all these new pursuits because of the monetary incentive but like usually companies succeed where they do what they know very well and they grow within that industry that they already know and expand that way not taking on tons of different industries at once so that's my concern looking at this um yeah casper also included a slide in their deck going back to the article now to explain how it plans to improve its products it features data analysts as scientists that appear to be conducting chemistry experiment amid swirling chaos of data so yeah they're just basically touching up on this illustration that says basically nothing it's like these one of these process illustrations where it's like they got these chemists in this nicely designed illustration and it's like an arrow pointing to like product brand consumer and experiences go-to market strategy and then another arrow going in reverse to create this kind of circular uh motion that talks about third-party data glow app consumer research customer reviews consumer touch points so just one of these like fluff process slides that mean nothing but are well designed so hopefully no one got tricked into that. They call it the consumer feedback loop. And they say, we aggregate data from multiple sources to constantly improve our business. Total fluff side. Not looking good, Casper. When I see stuff like that, I just go, ugh. Um, and it says, Casper gathers data from consume, customer website visits, customer reviews, social media, and other sources like any other company in the world now. This graphic shows it's data science scientists in the middle of a chemistry lab funneling data gathered from these sources into improving its sales and marketing experiences which in turn should encourage customers to give more feedback as per the graphic all right i've seen a million of those slides there's zero correlation between those slides and anything tangible so yeah not being tricked by that and then their next slide just shows this 432 billion dollar industry and it shows this graph that shows how Casper currently serves 67 billion of the 432 billion. Um, and then uh, on top, it has US, Canada, Europe, East Asia, and then rest of the world as like the pillars. And then on the left, it has the different types of uh, products that make up this $365 billion market medical devices, sleep technology, sleep services, sleep for travel, sleep for pets ambience optimization bedroom so that's and then all that leads to 432 billion um 365 billion covers east asia europe u.s and canada and then when you add in the rest of the world it's an extra you know roughly 
70 something billion dollars difference um so yeah they don't really go into detail with any of it how they came up with that number they just kind of show a graph that shows the different types of pursuits they want to get into and i already stated my opinion on that um okay so then the article just goes into explaining that graph and then another slide shows what Casper sees the global sleep market growing at twice the rate of the global economy. U.S. economy, $7 billion. Global sleep economy, $430 billion. Um, global sleep economy compound annual growth rate, 2019 to 2024, 6.3%, according to Frost and Sullivan assessment. Now, we don't know anything about Frost and Sullivan we don't know if they're in bed with Casper or not, but we're just supposed to take this at face value. Also, I don't know how they know how the U.S. economy is going to grow or stunt. I mean, we might go into a recession, and then it's very easy to outpace the current U.S. economy. So I don't know what the relevance of that is, but basically this is just to butter up investors to say that by the end of 2024 or beginning even, the sleep market that they're kind of creating themselves will be worth $585 billion. Now, the issue with this is whenever I watch Shark Tank and the main pitch from the investor to the sharks is talking about getting a slice or all of this industry worth X amount, they shut them down every time because all they care about is what they're actually doing now and not what the industry or market is worth, particularly when it's a market that Casper's kind of coming up with on their own. Because pet sleep and human sleep are two different things. Uh, Meditation, that's its own industry. Medical devices, that's its own industry. What they're doing now is its own industry. So it's like, it seems like a lot to take on, and you need money to do it, but you need so much more than money. So much more. You need lobbyists. You need scientists. You need experts in each domain, and not just experts from a knowledge standpoint, but also experts on how to maneuver within each industry. It is a massive undertaking. This is like if Nike was all of a sudden like, we want to get into medical and health equipment. You know what I mean? It's the exact same thing. And I wouldn't bet on Nike succeeding there, and I wouldn't bet on Casper succeeding here, but what the heck do I know? Um, It's just skeptical hippo to the nth degree when I saw this article, particularly considering the fact that um, Casper has quite a dodgy past when it comes to customer feedback. Um, They have I did a whole podcast on this, but they basically sued a blogger that at one point rated their mattress worse than a lot of their competitors and then eventually getting got control of the blog i think it was called like sleepopolis or something like that and uh now the blog still exists but it's basically a casper um owned property and the blogger always writes casper really well and always leaves nice favorable reviews um i don't want to get into it on this podcast because that's a whole other podcast but look up casper blog lawsuit and you'll find a lot on that so they have some shady shady uh history on their side when it comes to how they've dealt with customer feedback so 
I already don't have the highest opinion of Casper, and I get what they're doing here. I think they're smart. They realize there's a ceiling on what they're doing, and also their current model isn't working for them because they're operating at an operational loss. Therefore, they need to pivot, and this is their clever attempt to pivot. Will it work out? I don't know, but it seems like a hell of an undertaking. So, uh, yeah, that's my review on Casper. That was the end of the article, by the way. So I didn't want to get too much more into it. We're at a half hour, so I'm going to cut it here. I want to know your thoughts on Casper going public. Do you think they're going to succeed? Or do you think they're taking on more than uh, they can handle? Let us know at NRS underscore show on Instagram or Twitter or email us at notrocketscienceshow at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts. Hope you guys have a good one. Have a great week. I will see you next week. And as always, 